Meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom. Saturday morning cartoons were awesome. From the 1960s through the 1990s, we kicked off each weekend in a frenzy of animation that is unmatched today. But were these shows actually any good? Join us as we dig into the history of your favorite and not so favorite Saturday morning cartoons, look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of each one, and determine if our nostalgia matches the reality when it comes to these tunes. So stay in your PJs, grab a bowl of cereal, and settle in. I'm John. And I'm Robert. And this is Toon Talk. So, John. Yeah, Robert. Was there a Saturday morning cartoon that you remember that you couldn't wait to get up for on Saturday to watch? Oh, I mean, I always loved Bugs Bunny, but anything really on Saturday mm-hmm. morning because it was my time to hang out and mm-hmm. watch TV. Well, and for me, and this is all set up by the, for this episode, is that I remember the Super Friends cartoon. I remember specifically getting up having no concept of time sure. or what channel that was on, but yeah. going up and sitting in front of the TV and just like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait right. until the Super Friends are on. <laughs> and you only had four channels, so it's not yeah. like you were going to miss yeah, it. Yeah, it was easy pickings. Right. <laughs> but but uh, no, I mean, it was it was all about the Super Friends. I mean, cool. I, was, I was a superhero kid. I loved, yeah. especially DC superheroes and this was uh, i mean this was in me and my glory as a as a kid <laughs> so you just sit there and wait for it to come on yeah. you didn't know what time you got up or what time it was on yeah i mean you just you were, just, you you were just, in yeah i'm just gonna sit and wait for everything else and then i'll <laughs> keep flipping through and then yeah i can have breakfast if it's not on yet i love it <laughs> but uh yeah no today in in this episode this is all about not just the super friends but Specifically, season three is the challenge of the Super Friends. Yes, the challenge of the Super Friends. And they had their challenges. (laughs) (laughs) Many of them, whether within or without the cartoon. But we're we're breaking our format a little bit by doing this because the challenge of the Super Friends, like I said, was season three. So this was not – everything we've done so far is generally the first or the, the first incarnation of a cartoon. Yeah. And we can always come back and visit the others other versions of it. But with this one, this one's pretty unique. Uh, yeah, especially even within the the super friends realm, this one kind of stands out on its own, and it's definitely worth a a lengthy conversation. Yeah, because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, it does set itself apart. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the 1960s, we've we've mentioned this in previous episodes with filmation really brought DC Comics particularly to the forefront with uh, Adventures of Superman, Adventures of Aquaman. They did a Justice League cartoon, Batman and Robin. They also had Marvel Studios had created a Spider-Man cartoon, very well known at yeah. this point now. They also came up with some others like Captain America the Hulk, Iron Man, Thor. Yeah. And Hanna-Barbera was no slouch in terms of creating their own. They had the Mighty Mitor, Space Ghost. This is like the late 60s or suddenly just a plethora of comic books yeah. on, in animated form. And after that late 60s, there was two things. We've mentioned before, kind of a, a, a crackdown on violence and peril in cartoons. Yeah. And then also... Basically, everybody was kind of superheroed out. Okay. Like, yeah. okay, yeah, like yeah. we, we, we got to scale back, but you know what? Yeah. Kids are like, whatever. Let's yeah. let's let's move on to other things and yep. try it. It wouldn't last long, but it would happen that yeah. they kind of wore out. But in 1972, ABC in particular saw the reemergence of Batman and Robin on the new Scooby Doo movies as cameos in there, yeah. and then. As we've talked about before, Superman and Wonder Woman would show up on the Brady Kids same year in, in 1972. How can I forget? <laughs> so 
And the the new Scooby Doo movies were very popular, and those Batman and Robin episodes were extremely were big hits. Yeah. Well, they had a whole string of cameos in yeah. Scooby Doo. But but for a very popular show, those were the those were the big the crossover. Big, yeah, those yeah. are the ones that really stood out, which really says something. Uh, of course, with the Brady Kids, it just proves that you know the characters as Superman and Wonder Woman are more powerful than how they were presented because yes. they overcame some thankfully awful <laughs> awful <laughs> off cartoons. Yeah. But ABC seeing them appear on TV on the small screen, they rethought their approach and like you know what let's do this again let's and they commissioned they reached specifically out to Hanna-Barbera and said hey create a team of superheroes for Saturday morning for us yeah and and super villains no at this point just superhero they just just wanted a superhero team just wanted the superheroes because their caveat to Hanna-Barbera is the stories have to be moralistic and non-violent (laughs) <laughs> so, okay. so here, here, here run with this but here's some shackles that you have to run with <laughs> exactly <laughs> here hold this anchor while you run and see how fast you can go right but hannah barbera of course is like yeah we'll we'll take that yeah okay great that's a you know, superhero license we're gonna run with it right and on their staff they reach out to alex toth who is the actually the writer for space ghost so like you've done the non-violent you know relatively non-violent but yeah kind of somewhat moralistic approach Let, let's have you go with it and see what you can come up with and so the staff of writers they go and they kind of build from the justice league of america comics in dc and they kind of go with the recognized most recognizable characters so they go with superman batman or robin aquaman and wonder woman all who have appeared in cartoons before wonder woman the only one not having her own cartoon to date at that point point. and in order to hit the moralistic component they bring in a pair of teenage heroes and a dog who are considered their superheroes in training. So you have Wendy and Marvin and Wonder Dog. Yeah. Who really, it changes the, the whole yeah. scope of a superhero cartoon. But right. um, yeah, it, and it, it really is. It's like, oh, they get a rep- they get a report and they go and solve the day. And it's, you know, yeah. there's no supervillains. It's just, no. yeah, mostly... People doing something wrong and then helping them and fixing helping them out, yeah, on a yeah somewhat bigger scale because you have Superman and you got to utilize him somehow, right? <laughs> but uh, you can't the, use his X-ray vision to help someone across the street. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could use a super breath. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Get, get across, kid. Yep. So the original Super Friends aired in 1973 and was canceled after one season. Basically, wah, looked wah. at it and like, yeah, this this isn't really working so well. So yeah. let's let's move on. But, of course, at the same time, suddenly superheroes start showing up on primetime television. You have the Six Million Dollar Man. Yep. You have the Wonder Woman series. And then you have... With Linda Carter. With Linda Carter. And then you have the, a live-action uh, Amazing Spider-Man show. Hanna-Barbera's looking and it's like, let's, let's come back. Let's do this again. Let's, let's rethink this. Yeah. But let's, let's do something that's, you know, will still be somewhat moralistic and... Sure. Yeah, we'll screw. We'll, we'll push you the can, limits. You can we'll be push the limits on our nonviolence, but yeah. we'll we'll see what we can do. You can be moralistic and have some peril. <laughs> yeah. So so they revisit the con the concept and, and retool it. And so gone are the teenagers and the dog. At that point, it had been a single story format. They're like, okay, let's change that up. Get rid of those those teenagers. Let's bring in two new teenagers, Zan and Jaina. Who, but they're aliens and they have superpowers and they have a super monkey glee. Super monkey. <laughs> And, and one of them can only turn into water-based yes, things. Yes, and the other one can turn the into animals. The other one can turn into animals, yep. yeah. Then they decided, like, let's do a collection of 
three shorter episodes kind of focused more on instead of telling a whole team story let's okay this episode is going to be focused on wonder woman this one's going to be uh batman and the wonder twins and so a little bit more focused and a little less stretched thin over the course of the half hour they also decided let's bring in more superheroes so we're going to have cameos from hawkman hawk girl green lantern they also thought you know what we need to be a little bit more diverse and so they created three new superheroes that would cameo in apache chief samurai and black falcon actually and one other hero that showed up in that was the atom too which is he isn't in there a lot no he's no. not but they they retool it and abc's like yeah let's, okay we'll, we'll come back i mean adults like it in prime time let's let's try it again i sure. mean they're kids right yeah what do they know so in 1977, now after a couple years off, the all-new Super Friends Hour airs on ABC, and the reception is markedly better. Much so, so much so that ABC is like, "Oh yeah, let's keep this going. Let's keep this ball rolling. Yeah. Let's let's do another season of it." So it's up and established, and Hanna Barbera is like, they're feeling they're they're feeling pretty good about themselves now, and like, okay, let's let's up the stakes. So we've got they're giving us an hour, so let's. Instead of telling an hour worth of the new Super Friends, let's do half an hour of these new Super Friends cartoons. But let's make the second half even better. Like, we love these Justice League comics. Yeah. And everybody loves the villains, so let's bring super villains into it. Let's go ahead and it's going to be the Justice League or the Super Friends. They actually do call them the Justice League of America in the cartoon. And they're going to square off against the Legion of Doom. Which, what a great name. Oh, yeah. Holy <laughs> Legion of Doom, Batman. <laughs> so It's very ominous. Yeah. So they're like, all right, you know what? Let's dump the dead weight, get rid of the teenagers, and this half hour is just going to focus on the big hitters. So you've yep. got still like the, that main five, and we're going to add the Flash, who we haven't seen before. We're going to bring yep. the Green Lantern and Hawkman as regulars. And then our three diversity characters they're going to be full-time as well so there it's not just cameos this is just the full-time lineup and yep. every episode they're all there and they're going to be matched up with uh, a bunch of super villains now according to the assistant animator on the show at the time daryl mcneil the challenge of the super friends was originally entitled battle of the super friends and the legion of doom was going to be working under the name of the league of evil basically led by the captain marvel uh, shazam villain dr savannah yeah so the league of evil actually is a name that's associated with shazam and obviously dr savannah but the problem with that concept is that Hanna barbera did not have the rights to shazam filmation did because filmation was actually working on a live action shazam show at that time so savannah's got to be scrapped but that's okay there's there's a lot of other villains to choose from the other problem that they ran into especially with filmation is that they were producing a new adventures of batman cartoon and so oh. the likes of the Joker, the Penguin, not Catwoman, yeah. Doctor, uh, Mr. Freeze, they're all off the table. So yeah. I'm like, all right, well, that limits our Batman villain presence. But okay, we can still... We can so wait a minute, work. they couldn't use Mr. Freeze. They could so, not use Mr. Freeze. So is that why they have Captain Cold? Captain Cold. <laughs> <Are> you <laughs> kidding? <laughs> I, I, they had to have a, uh, somebody with a freeze ray somehow. Sure. And it, <laughs> the, the, the ice, I love it. I didn't know that. The ice mandate had to be fulfilled somehow. Yeah. So that, that's the way they went. But Perfect. They all move forward. And the Legion of Doom, obviously, we, we, we went through that roster for the, the Justice League. So the, the Legion of Doom with Dr. Savannah now out of the way. Yeah. That's populated by, so Superman's nemesis, Lex Luthor, leads that now instead. And 
the additional supervillains, Bizarro and Toy Man were, and Brainiac were all there. Batman, Rogues, Riddler, and Scarecrow mm-hmm. filled out his his nemeses. Uh, Flash enemies were Gorilla Grodd and Captain Cold. Wonder Woman's villains, uh, Cheetah and Giganta, appear. Yep. Aquaman's arch enemy, Black Manta, is there. Green Lantern's foil, Sinestro. And then there's Solomon Grundy, who's not necessarily affiliated with any one of them. He's more of actually a Justice Society of America villain. Yeah. But it's, is he undead? Is he a zombie? He is. He is a yeah. zombie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He is a zombie. So that's and a big zombie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a big dumb zombie, but yep. yeah, but there he is. And so those 13 villains then are pitted against the 11 uh, superheroes in the, the Super Friends team. So. And, and I did want to just reiterate, they didn't shoehorn any teenagers into this one. This was just big hitters going head yep. to head. This is the this is the big guys. Yeah. yeah. And so on September 9th, 1978, the challenge of the Super Friends would carry the second half of the hour of Super Friends animation. And they would go for 16 episodes. So the first half, again, all new Super Friends with Zane and Jaina teenagers, the limited roster. And then the second half of the hour was the challenge of the Super Friends. Um, it was a huge hit. It was well received, and it would not be repeated. <laughs> it was the one sixteen episode season, that was and, it. and that was it. Because they yeah. wanted, they decided that they felt like they were being stretched too thin, and they just wanted to keep the focus on the main roster of the Super Friends with yeah. you know the five core and Zan and Jane and Gleek. So it was working. They just quit doing it. It was and. Yeah. In hindsight, we'll talk about it. It was probably the right choice. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but Super Friends itself, the, the show would carry on for six more seasons beyond that. So there was nine total seasons. Yeah. They and, and as you watch it, they really tweaked it pretty much every year. They, they made modifications, some more drastic than others, but just to try and keep it fresh. And yeah. obviously it worked. I mean, they had nine full years out of, that's a long out, time. Of, out of Super Friends. So that's probably why I remember it so well. But it would go yeah. and keep moving on until uh 1985 when it finally ended and that's when the live action like superman movies were coming out again with christopher reeve and yeah actually yeah. They, they overlapped a little bit because those those started in the late 70s into yeah. the 80s so okay yeah so there was a little bit of an overlap yeah but which is perfect because that's going to keep kids gonna going carry to carry on yeah it's yeah. going to keep it moving so um yeah what's of course, with that many characters, then there is a lot of voice power, a lot of voice there acting is. associated with yeah. it. Yeah, which to me that was a highlight of this cartoon. I mean, I'll go through them. Um, there's quite a bit, so so settle in. Um, <laughs> Jack Angel as the Flash, Hawkman, and Samurai. He was uh, Papa Smurf in the 2010s iterations of the dvd releases he went on to play papa smurf um, not too long ago he was also in iron giant and toy story as additional voices he had a lot of roles where he's just credited as additional voices marlene aragon was cheetah Uh, she was queen of hearts and hera also Um, she was synergy on gem and maya on thundar the barbarian nice yeah which is a, a great role um, Michael Bell is the Riddler. He also played L- young Lex Luthor. He was also on Rugrats, um, best known as Duke on G.I. Joe. Uh, Bill Calloway, or William Calloway, Aquaman, Bizarro, Flash, um, Alfred Pennyworth. He's Beachhead on G.I. Joe. Hmm. Ted Cassidy. This is great. So Ted Cassidy is Brainiac and Black Manta because he's got this deep voice. You know, He was Lurch. 
on the oh, Adams family. Nice. So now when I watch this, I picture Lurch <laughs> doing the voice. Like, is that Lurch in Black Manta's helmet? You it'd, be, know? it'd be funny just seeing Lurch, but only wearing the helmet. Exactly. <laughs> you ran in the suit. Yes. Yeah. Kept... <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. So I was excited to learn that um, Henry Corden did a lot of additional voices um, on the show, but he was Fred Flintstone. Mm-hmm. So Fred Flintstone was in the Super Friends, which yeah. was kind of cool. Danny Dark. Now, Danny Dark was interesting because he was Superman, Commissioner James Gordon, and pretty much only Superman throughout the whole thing. A lot of these actors had played several parts on the show, but he was only Superman. And I think he was Superman because he sounded like George Reeves Mm -hmm. from the TV show. I mean, in my mind, the voice of Superman in this is the voice of Superman. And and it's a very distinct voice, too. It is. And like even nowadays when... Like Patrick Waterburton did Superman in those Visa commercials with Jerry Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. He sounds like this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just a presence to it. Yeah, that, there's that, a that presence Superman to Superman's to have, voice, yeah. and this guy just is iconic with that. Mm-hmm. And then to add on that, Olin Soul, who plays Batman in this, the voice of Batman, he sounds just like Adam West. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like, is that Adam West's voice? I mean, it sounds exactly like him. And that's the only role he plays in the whole show. So yeah. they must have went out and said, find someone who sounds like Adam West. Because we probably can't get Adam West, so we'll find someone who sounds like him. Yeah, and Hanna-Barbera had tabbed him for the, the all-new Super uh, Scooby-Doo movies, where he he's, which kind of brought them this whole cartoon moving forward in the first place. Yeah, because he's Batman yeah. in cameos on Yep, and those two, in those two Batman and Robin episodes. Mm-hmm. And actually, really quick, since you mentioned Danny Dark before you, you jump yeah. in here real quick before we move on. So he was also, he was well known at the time as kind of like a voiceover king for commercials. Mm-hmm. And so if you remember the um, the Starkest Tuna, like, sorry, Charlie. Oh, really? That was him. That was oh, him. yeah, yeah, I missed that. So he was, yeah, a lot of those little, oh, yeah, little that's tags. Iconic. Like, oh, yeah, that's iconic. Yeah. So he was in a handful of those, but that was the one I saw. Like, oh, yeah. That's, oh, very cool. Immediately hear his voice when he's like, sorry, yeah. Charlie. Oh, that's awesome. But, yeah. Shannon Fernan played Wonder Woman, Aphrodite, almost all the female parts, um, Lois Lane. Ruth Foreman as Giganta. Bob Hastings played the Pied Piper in the Space Genius episode. The only reason I mention him is that he was the voice of Archie Andrews in the radio version of the Archies. Um, And then he's become the voice of the commissioner in Batman the Animated Series. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of a real weird combination of things that he's done. Um, But I just thought it was great that he was Archie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's quite a difference between Archie Andrews and Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, big time. Yeah, he's a teenager to old grizzled guy, you know, (laughs) serious all the time. Bob Holt uh, played Count Dracula in one of the episodes, and I only Mm. mention him because he is the voice of Mowgli in Gremlins. Oh, the the cute little yeah. gremlin. He was the voice of the gremlin. <laughs> um, Buster Jones was uh, the Black Vulcan. Um, was Doc on GI Joe? So a lot of GI Joe guys in here. Um, Stanley Jones played Lex Luthor. Um, did some of the opening narration. Ironically, as Lex Luthor being Superman's arch nemesis, also played Jonathan Kent and Jor El. <laughs> so he played Lex Luthor, and then he played Superman's fathers. You know? <laughs> it was just pretty cool. Vic Pernan played Sinestro. Um, he did more actual live television than voices. Um, he was in some great shows. He was in Gunsmoke, uh, Mission Impossible. 
And Sinestro, I always thought I wanted it to be Vincent Price. Because he looks like Vincent Price, you know. Dick Ryle, uh, Green Lantern, and Apache Chief, Jimmy Weldon, Solomon Grundy. So Solomon Grundy's this big undead zombie, right? You know uh, what other voice he's famous for? Yaki Doodle. (laughs) (laughs) This tiny little little duck. duck. (laughs) So he's Yaki Doodle. So he's this huge zombie, and he's this tiny little duck that can't talk very well. Well, the common thread is they're both lost in the world. So they're (laughs) pretty much, yeah. Bill Woodson was the narrator, did Perry White, um, Captain Nemo in the Fairy Tale of Doom. He was in Shirt Tales as the voice of the newsreel person. Remember I, m- yeah. I mentioned him because he's the newsreel person in Rocketeer, too. Yeah, that's which right. Rocketeer is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And he's the, as the Germans continue to march across Europe, you know, he's that guy. So really cool narrator voice, yeah. you know. And of course, Casey Kasem is Robin, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, he's also the Justice League's computer. Um, and we all know he was Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. And if you've listened to any of our previous episodes, you know <laughs> that Don Messick and Frank Welker are in this thing. Um, Don Messick is Scarecrow uh, and did Sinestro in later episodes. Frank Welker was the toy man. He was the Lilliputians in the fairy tale of Doom. He actually did Aphrodite, which was a female character. Mm-hmm. He did Young Giganta, also a female character. So, you know... You have all of these actors. And then, oh, let's get Casey Kasem, Don Messick, and Frank Welker, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Might as well. Let's o- go Open for the it. stable door. Let them come out yep. because they're doing everything else that we work on. Exactly, so. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you got a minute? Come over here and do this, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, really impressive cast. And I thought the voices were all done really well. Yeah. And some of those voices, like we mentioned, like the Superman, Batman, Robin, those are iconic. Mm-hmm. So when you see animated Superman, you expect him to sound yeah. like he did in Challenger of the Super Friends. And same with Batman. Yeah. You know, so I was I was really impressed with with this cast. I thought I thought they were great. Yeah, and one other one other voice that uh that really when you think of the Super Friends, not just this cartoon, but all of them, almost all, almost all of them, because the first one's a little bit different. Yeah, um, is you know the meanwhile at the Hall of Justice, uh-huh. and that's William Woodson. It's funny when you look at his IMDb. Every every almost every role he says is narrator. Yes, or yes. he's he's like the voice narrator guy for a show announcer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then. Um, and I did find it interesting that the the one thing that jumped out at me just because of my Saturday morning geekiness is that he is the the voice of the villain, uh, Madrigor in Pandemonium, which we have not gotten. We have, it's on the list, yet. though. It is there. Yeah, it is, it's on uh, the list. Yeah, but I, I'm like, oh, that's oh cool. Pandemonium. Yeah, it is. we've got a we got a tie in there. We've got a tie. That's cool. So yeah, yeah, that announcer voice when I mean, you hear that everywhere, yeah, it's just like just born to narrate. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I, I was excited um, when I started doing the research on on who these voices were because you know I, I mentioned it again. They're just some iconic voices for these mm-hmm. characters. Even the Lex Luthor character, you know, sounds like you expect Lex Luthor to sound. Yeah, you know, and they did a lot of uh, real charactery voices for like Toy Man and Riddler, mm-hmm. but they were done well. Yeah, you know, to do that cackling laugh <laughs> that the Riddler has is not easy. Right, but it it's hard to do it and not make it sound ridiculous. Right. You know, so I, I think they really pulled it off. I mean, they really 
got some good people in here to work on this one. Yeah, and I mean, you clearly have, you've got a little bit more a uh, little more leeway with the villains. You can kind of chew up the scenery a little more. So you got sure. Drod, who's kind of got like almost like this. Yeah, well, yeah. villains are supposed to be yeah. kind of crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. That's why they're villains. <laughs> and and it, the only time in my life I've ever looked at Captain Cold and like, well. That guy has a bit of a southern drawl. That's kind of weird. Because <laughs> yeah, he dresses like an Inuit. Right? <laughs> You're not from the south. <laughs> Captain Cold is, I mean, he's interesting because they actually, they stylized him a little bit different. I mean, his, his outfit is the same as he, he would appear in the comics, sure. but they made him blue. So they kind of like yeah. just to make him really stand, stand out and look different. I mean, he's yeah. he's just a he's just a dude with a freeze gun in the right. comic books. Yeah, um, there and, and actually there are some. I say that, but there are some really outstanding Captain Cold comics, especially um, once Jeff Johns started writing the Flash and told some really outstanding, made him really cool. Yeah, um, and really really kind of a, a tough. A, a tough villain. And yeah, just like, someone. Yeah, yeah. Hope I hit him with my gun. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the 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 villain, the the lineup of the villains, even with the restrictions that we can't put the Joker, yeah, or um, some of those really iconic Batman villains. I mean, it still works. So I mean, it really is a, a, a who's who of the rogues galleries of these these heroes, which yeah. is really cool. It was neat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Lex Luthor, you know, you kind of expect him to be in charge of, mm-hmm. of this group of people. And, you know, the beginning, the the opening credits say a. A group of villains from across the universe or multiple universes, mm-hmm. but really only a couple of them are extraterrestrial. Right. Um, so, of course, Lex is going to be in charge because yeah. this is his home turf. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only actual alien or, you know, non-Earthbound villains are Brainiac, who is a supercomputer from Krypton. Yeah. And then you have uh, Sinestro, who is... Yeah, uh, you know, the, a yellow lantern, kind of like the former Green Lantern guy, yep. and then in at this time in the comics, Bizarro actually was actually considered an alien. There was actually a Bizarro planet, yeah, and it's like basically a, a, a mirror universe of ours. He's since been changed, and so and he know. was underused in this. Yeah, I think he just didn't do a whole lot. <laughs> no, and, well, and yeah, we can he get was always kind of in the background. Yeah. I, th- I think um, when I looked at when I kind of watched this. You, you you can really see how the writers really butted up against the whole nonviolence mm-hmm. component. I think they had some interesting concepts, yeah, and they had some really good setups, and then they just struggled to pay them off, yeah. And they, then the writing suffered because yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. yeah it, they it clearly. Yeah, sixteen episodes. I think they realized like we just can't do what we really want to do with this, right? Um, so as as cool as the concept is to have all of these characters, good and bad, on here, um, the constraints of both what ABC was putting on them, and then also the yeah just the government regulations, yeah. they just really couldn't make it work because we've got some really evil people here but you know we need to take care of them and sometimes it might require some violence yeah. and they just couldn't well yeah. and, and you can see where they they did get really they got creative with some of these ideas like they get thrown into fairy tales yeah and i and i still remember i remember that wonder woman being kind of cornered by the cheshire cat and the caterpillar i yes. remember that as a kid they because oh, yeah, really she went cool. into alice in wonderland yeah yeah and they just the way that they get him out is just like, all right, well, we got to wrap this thing up. Yep. Yeah. We'll just point the ray gun at the book again and they'll pop out. <laughs> yeah. Make it look like we're captured and then we can watch how everybody else does it. Yes. <laughs> and then we'll just get in the, we'll go in the book too and then we'll all just magically get out. We'll and everything's good. So <laughs> yeah, it, it was, 
like I said, I think some of the concepts, some of the ideas were good. Some of them were a little weak. Yeah. But like, what was the the episode where they decide to turn everybody into cheetahs and bizarros? Yes. I mean, yeah. talk about just saying, hey, <laughs> you know who's evil? Those people that look like cheetah and bizarro. Yeah. <laughs> Stop them. Yeah. Go stop those people. <laughs> Leave us alone. Yeah, let's not, let's not just like change everybody's minds and make everybody act out. No, just make sure that they look evil. Right. So you know that we have to stop them before, you know, and we'll have to save them. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> God, they weren't trying very hard <laughs> no. in that episode. But, uh, and, and I, I always loved how it seems like. What do you want to bet they're like, hey, you know, some executive said, there's not enough Cheetah and, and Bizarro in these. Okay. So they wrote a whole episode where there's everybody's Cheetah and everyone's Bizarro. That'll teach them. Yeah. Well, how are we going to end this? I don't know. Just change it back. Yeah. <laughs> just change it back with some kind just, of ray gun. Just reverse it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because there's multiple times where it just feels like the writers are just like writing for the, they're, they're giving the audience the voice because it start, the episode starts with at least one member of the Legion of Doom saying, this is ridiculous. We're not doing anything. I'm going to go defeat the super, super friends on my own. I'm going to go pick a fight. Yeah. <laughs> and then Lex Luthor is like, the voice of reason of all things Lex Luthor. Now, wait a second. Yeah. Just settle down. You should, hear the, you should hear the plan that Grodd's got. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. Grodd, go tell him your story. Like, how, how is nobody else aware that these plans are going on? They're like all like in their own little offices in the, in the Legion of Doom. Get out. I'm working on a plan. I'll tell you about it when it's ready. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. Slam. <laughs> Slam the door. And then, of course, you know, they hear the plan like, oh, yeah, let's do that. And like, well, it, it sounds terrible. Yeah. But okay, let's do it. And But the idea that like the 13 of us together can't stop them. So I'm just, you know, I'm just going to do it myself. You guys are all in my way. <laughs> You're all failures. I'm just going to take care of myself. <laughs> neither neither way works. But <laughs> no, none of them work. None of their ideas work. What, well, let's talk about some of the episodes, because mm-hmm. I've got a couple of favorites. And favorites because they're ridiculous storylines, <laughs> or because they were just really cool. Mm-hmm. And ironically, The Trial of the Super Friends was my favorite episode, because mm-hmm. I thought that was brilliant. So what happens in that episode is the Legion of Doom decides, hey, the Super Friends are always jacking up our plans. They're always, they're always messing with us. Let's put them on trial. So they they bring Batman, Robin, and Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern are guarding this liquid light at this chemical plant. And the liquid light can go through anything except the earth because it floats along the surface of the earth. But it or glass, apparently, because glass. that's what they're picking out of yeah, a glass. They, they're brewing it in this glass thing, and they pour it into a glass. It, it, it won't burn through that, but everything else. But yeah, it'll go right through a steel girder in two seconds. Yeah. Maybe. So then... Cheetah steals Wonder Woman's lasso, Brainiac steals Green Lantern's power ring, and Scarecrow steals Batman and Robin's utility belts and escape with those things. And the Hall of Doom captures and puts all four heroes, because they don't have their special thing anymore, and puts them in a kangaroo court trial. And Sinestro uses the power devices to create other super friends that they now have to battle. Yeah, mirror images of themselves. Mirror images of themselves. But I just thought the whole concept that they were like, they were serious. We're going to put you guys on trial. You're not playing by our rules. <laughs> well, actually, even better is like the, the Wonder Woman, Green Lantern. They're all like totally like taking this seriously. And they're yes. really upset. Like, what a travesty of justice. Like, yes. What do you think is going to happen? They're all akin to like, okay, this is our situation now. Yeah. 
for being put on trial. Oh, we got to work through this now. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't just say, this is ridiculous. Yeah, like, wait, this isn't a fair trial? Of course it's not. <laughs> and Lex Luthor's the judge up on his big podium inside the Hall of Doom. They put you on trial for being good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> for defeating them. Which is why I thought it was great. <laughs> They're like, because in, in their world, in the Legion of Doom's world, the super friends are the bad guys. And, you know, it's about time we bring some justice to those guys. <laughs> Well, and then I love that they get, in addition to, obviously, Wonder Woman's magic lasso and then Batman's uh, utility, utility belt. belts. Yeah. They don't bother to look inside the utility belt and see no. what's any useful. <laughs> but they have Green Lantern's ring, which is the most powerful weapon in the universe. Right. And what do they do? They're like, let's just slap it on a, a robot <laughs> and, and make them fight you. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of let's use it. Right. Then we have Sinestro's ring and Green Lantern's ring. We and got we could, both. We could just take over. No. No. No, let's... Uh, it's it's like the, uh, the scene in... Um, it's like the scene in Austin Powers where Scott is begging uh, Dr. Evil, let's just kill him. I got a gun in my room. I'll go get it. Bang. He's dead. No, I need to create some kind of elaborate plan to get rid of And that's exactly what happened here. It's like, no, we're not going to use the ring to destroy them. That's too easy. Let's slap it on a robot and make them fight the robot for our entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the funniest part about that, too, is that the way that that, that whole episode starts, sets up is you have this lab with the liquid light in it and when the supervillains show up to they they keep saying our plan is to get that liquid light yep but instead they just go and get all of these equipment the equipment of the heroes and then they take off yeah and like well, we, we, we let luther know that we've completed our plan like well no, no. your plan was to get the liquid light yeah. you haven't done anything right and so instead they have to send black manta over to like all right all right, somebody's got to go do it, I guess. So I yeah. got to go get the liquid light. <laughs> and, and, and then they get caught. They just kick the whole vat over to try and stop Superman. Yeah. And we can't thing, have it. No and, one's going to have and it. And the thing just like goes right down the street through the town. Yeah. And, and through the dam. Because yeah. Superman found an abandoned Hoover Dam. Yeah. Put that in front of him and went right through it. <laughs> and ultimately, it's the Flash just spins really fast and gets it out in space. Yeah. And then it turns into stars. It slows down the molecular <laughs> activity of it. Yeah. It makes more stars. Yeah. Yeah, it was well, and the whole fact that Batman and Robin, Wonder Woman and Green Lantern are supposed to be guarding this thing, and the the Legion of Doom comes in and they just take their things yeah. and go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was uh, yeah. just the concept that yeah. the bad guys were putting the good guys on trial. I just I loved it. Yeah, I just thought it was great. The Monolith of Evil, Episode 6. So Solomon Grundy takes the Legion of Doom down to the center of the Earth. And they're just walking around in their street clothes next to lava <laughs> in the center of the Earth. Um, he shows them a monolith he claims is the source of all evil. Because, well, why didn't you bring this up before? <laughs> We've been battling these guys for a long time, and you just decide you have the, the source of all evil. So the Legion schemes to trick the Super Friends uh, into getting it for them. Mm -hmm. The Legion of Doom finds the monolith. The Riddler can't retrieve it, so they get the, the Super Friends to do it. And the, they bring this monolith up to the surface, and the, they don't understand it. They don't understand how it works. It just is evil. <laughs> and the first thing it does is it changes sizes. Yeah, <laughs> It's like really tall, and then it's on a boat, and then yeah. it's big again. <laughs> 
and it attacks the Twin Towers. Yeah. And I yeah. took a picture of that and sent it to you. I'm like, this is horrifying. Because yeah. the first landmark it attacks is it nails one of the, I think it was the South Tower. Yeah. And the South Tower just, just kind of leans yeah, over. it just bends over a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it just bends like it's made of rubber now. <laughs> I'm like, boy, if we had known. Yeah. And then the UN building wasn't even close to scale of how big it's no. supposed to be. I'm like, I think that's supposed to be the UN building. I'm not sure. I mean, Manhattan's got to be the most filmed location on the planet. Yeah. Well, like, they they play fast and loose, fast and loose with the UN for yeah, in pretty much any way they they present it. So, sure. Yeah. <laughs> in, it doesn't inside matter. or outside. So. Yeah. Yeah, so that one was just kind of weird. And how that ends up is they figure out the monolith is not inherently evil. It just acts upon the thoughts of the people who are using it. Mm -hmm. So it can be good or evil. And okay, problem averted. (laughs) Well, and on top of that, they use it to extinguish the sun. Yes. What? (laughs) We haven't thought this out. No. (laughs) Their plan is we're going to dominate the earth. We're going to take over the world. And if we can't, we'll just destroy it. Yeah. (laughs) We'll just... We'll, we'll show them. We'll just destroy it. Then we'll be in charge. Yeah. In charge of what? Yeah, nobody's going to fight us now. <laughs> right. <laughs> they won't be able to see us. There'll be no light. It's like, we haven't, thought this, we haven't quite thought, thought this through all the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, no it, well, actually, one of my favorites is episode nine, which is rest, uh, Super Friends Rest in Peace. Yeah. And that's where it opens up, and it looks like... They pulled it right off the cover from a, D, like a 1970s DC comic book. It's the Super Friends all standing around this gravestone shaped like a bat of yeah. Batman. And Batman. here lies Batman. Yeah. And, I mean, they set up like Batman is dead. He's yes. been killed. And He's we, dead and buried. And we are in big trouble. Yeah. And so the, the premise of this is that, the obviously, the Legion of Doom, they get into the into the Earth and they find this... The, the element called Nexium, the, mm-hmm. the 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 deadly Nexium, as they keep referring to it, and they have it inside this crystal, and they use it basically as a ray gun to basically hunt down the Super Friends, and the Super Friends all know they're in trouble. They're like, yeah. "All right, we Batman's dead. This is this is, this is the deal. real deal." Yeah. And at various points, they uh, they attack Paradise Island, and Wonder Woman goes, and she gets killed, and then they kidnap Lois Lane and Perry White at the Daily Planet, and Superman goes, and they kill Superman. Yeah. And then they basically kill everybody else, and they're like, all right, wipe them out. And With this ray gun, yeah. I mean, it is like, holy smokes, this thing is... It dark. started for, to feel like for, the Transformers movie. For a non-violent cartoon. Yeah, there's a lot of death. <laughs> they are wiping out. They, they literally wipe out all 11 Super Friends. Yeah. And of course, then it turns, so of course, they defeat them in it being... The challenge of the Super Friends, Lex Luthor, like, all right, sweet, that's done. And he t- takes the crystal the next to him and just tosses it behind him. It goes out into a sewer, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Like, all right, we don't need this <laughs> we're, anymore. Yeah, we're done with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then there's this mysterious guy who's down in the sewers in his, in his like radiation suit, and he finds it, and he puts it in a bazooka, and he shoots it into space. <laughs> that's one heck of a bazooka. <laughs> yeah. And reached exit velocity. And then suddenly the super friends reappear. And, yeah, of course, Lex was like, the super friends, what are you doing? Here? Yeah. We, we've killed you. And yeah. they're like, no, we, those were our robot duplicates that were yeah. programmed. They were, yeah, they, they, they were programmed to act just like us and die when you they killed were, them. They were decoys. <laughs> <laughs> they were programmed to die when you killed them. Really? Yeah. <laughs> we were way ahead of you, pal. Yeah. Way ahead of you, but the You're, whole concept until that that twist is actually—I mean, it was—it was really fascinating. You could yeah. see where they were trying to really go with the writers, and then how they're like, 
All right, now we got a result. Now let's back back into this. uh, How do we bring into the constraints of ABC? (laughs) Exactly. It's like we're just going to get real close to that edge and then pull it all back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's as close as I think they they could ever come. Yeah. But it was a a bit jarring. Mm -hmm. Wow, they're killing these these heroes. (laughs) But and and I still I just love that opening shot. I mean, it it literally looked like some Denny O'Neill comic cover from Batman in the seventies. But yeah. Yeah, where they're all standing around with their heads down. Yeah. And one yeah. other thing that I loved about that, and it kind of opens up a slightly bigger discussion about how they travel around. But so when Wonder Woman knows, finds out that Paradise Island's in trouble, she's halfway a world away, and she's like, I've got to go. And Aquaman's like, no, Wonder Woman, don't. So she just starts spinning. Yeah. Kind of like I think when, in the, the Linda Carter TV show when she, she spins, spins around, and she, around. Turns, she, she changes her outfit. Yep. She just spins super fast like a top, and she disappears. Yeah. And she reappears half the world away on Paradise Island, spinning really fast. Yeah, if she can do that, why, why, why does she have an invisible jet? Yeah, I mean, she can <laughs> go anywhere she wants, yeah. whenever she wants. And, and then is that her real superpower? I don't know. <laughs> well, and then and, and she she shows up and she's deflecting all these, you know, yeah, with her bracelets, beams, and then Cheetah shows up with an axiom and fires her once, and she can't block that, and she just falls dead. Right, like. You've been blocking everything, yeah, and you know it's coming. Yeah, <laughs> no. but but their their ability to travel. I mean, the traveling, is, the way they get around in this is so scattershot. Right. There's no continuity to it whatsoever. No, no I mean they teleportation is apparently a thing because they mm-hmm. just kind of disappear and show up in other places and time travel. Yeah, certain like the Flash apparently can fly. Because yeah. they constantly show like, oh, we've got to go, and you see the Flash flying like, right next to Hawkman. Can't yeah. fly. No, can run really <laughs> it's fast. Kind of weird. And Aquaman kind of flies. All right. So when they're in space, <laughs> I get it that Superman doesn't need to breathe in space. We've all seen that. But apparently nobody else does either. But no one else does either. They're <laughs> just all... Batman and Robin. Except Batman and Robin <laughs> <laughs> they have their spacesuits on, but everyone else is like, yeah. Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Just floating. <laughs> We're in the space. vacuum of space, but we don't. Yeah. They're all good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not worried about breathing. They're worried about like multiple times being hit by these gamma rays, and they yes. start to. Whoa, we're fading out. Of, we're fading out yeah. of existence. We put, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Flash fixes that because he moves fast enough to get all their molecules to pull back together. Or the, except the one time where Black Vulcan just shoots his electricity and it pulls them all together. Pulls them somehow. all together. Yeah. yeah. So they're in space. Whatever they're yeah. in the center of the earth, fine. Yeah, it really is. The writers like, oh, we got to put them in trouble somehow. Somehow so they need to. Just, yeah, yeah, and I don't want to draw astronaut suits on all of them, so <laughs> let's just go with it. Transportation aside, they have the bat plane and the bat boat and the Batmobile show up, but then when they need to go somewhere, they just appear there. Yeah, it's like they don't get in the bat plane and go. Yeah. They use the bat plane when they need it, like as a tool to, mm-hmm. for a fight or whatever, but they don't use it for transportation because. Yeah. They can just get up and go. Yeah, and they do use the invisible jet a little bit more than they... Because that's how her and Aquaman get from yeah. place to place. Once <laughs> exactly. in a while. She gives Aquaman a ride. Yeah. Um, but she, I don't. Where does she park that thing? And, and Anywhere it, she wants. It's invisible. But then how do you find it? <laughs> she's not getting a ticket. <laughs> that's right. Does she just walk around until she runs into it? Yeah, she's got the... She's like unlocked. Oh, it's like that for it to beep. <laughs> <laughs> like in the parking lot, you can't yeah. find your car. <laughs> Can you see her walking around in front of the Legion of Doom, turning back to where she came from, going, wait a minute. Oh, no, I'm on the wrong block. (laughs) Darn. Oh, I was in front of the other Starbucks. Shoot. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. That just left me befuddled. Like, that's just lazy writing. They're like, "Uh, couldn't she have just gotten it? I would have believed it 
if she got in the jet, I don't know how fast that jet is. I'm mm-hmm. assuming it's supersonic. She could be around the world pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, even if it's got a, a hyperspace or hyperspeed or something, mm-hmm. she can get around halfway around the world to that island. So why why do the let's make her spin? Yeah, we just got to we got to move this. She's going to teleport. Yeah, <laughs> we've got a whole bunch of other superheroes to kill off. So hey, where's the guy who draws the invisible jet? Oh, he's out today. Okay, just make her spin. Oh, we lost that cell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We lost it. Yeah. yeah, it's probably the same cell. They just move it over. But <laughs> yeah, in on a different vein, the the Conquerors of the Future episode number thirteen mm-hmm. is another one that stands out, but not not in the in a, in a great way. Um, that's when the Legion of Doom decides they're going to go into the future in order to conquer the planet. They're going to go oh my God. far futures after the the super friends exist. The time travels. Yeah, and business. yeah, I, yeah. Time travel is a whole other thing in this, but. Um, they go into the future and they basically just find this one city that's surrounded by like, I don't know, like Morlock type creatures. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah, that's what I thought. And they just kind of show up and say, hey, Morlocks, we're going to we're going to take the city over for you. And like, OK. All right. Thanks. And they do. And yeah. they, they, they take the city and like, we've conquered the planet. Yeah. Like, is this the only place, the only city left? Yeah, we're in charge. That, that was quick. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, must have been the well, capital of the world. Well, that city fell. I mean, yeah, nobody else well, has a chance. Yeah. And might as well hang it up. And and next thing you know, they they've got so they've got control of the planet, and then the Riddler, who his only contribution is to basically sabotage the whole mission, <laughs> yes. keeps leaving clues, and ultimately leads them back <laughs> to this time and place where like, how did you find us? Like, well, you kept leaving us clues, yeah. dude. So you got this gang of evil people, and they finally pull something off, and one of your own is leaving clues on purpose because he thinks it's funny. Yeah, you're. Uh, you got to change your stick because it's kind of it's kind of bringing you down. Yeah, this this is never gonna work. I don't know if it's an ego thing or what it is, but you need to rethink your approach. Yeah, yeah. So the whole time travel thing comes up in um, episode eight, the uh, secrets of the Super Friends, where Lex Luthor has discovered discovered the origins of Superman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern. And he says, well, we'll just take the Legion of Doom, because apparently the Legion of Doom is also a time machine when it's not subterranean in some swamp. Um, And by the way, we need to talk about the Legion of Doom after this. Yes. So the Legion of Doom becomes a time travel machine, and they go back in time. Um, Cheetah cheats at the tournament and becomes Wonder Woman instead of... Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. Um, Lex Luthor becomes a Green Lantern because he locks um, the stunt pilot or the test pilot in the simulator and he goes and gets the ring from the alien. Um, And then they redirect Kal-El's spaceship away from Earth so Superman doesn't exist. But then the super friends who are left, you know, don't have no concept of who Superman, Wonder Woman or Green Lantern Mm -hmm. were because they have never existed. But they find this tape on the Legion of Doom of these superheroes they didn't know anything about. And they, well, hey, maybe those, we need to go back in time and, and bring them back to life because the computer told us yeah. these people really did exist, but Lex Luthor foiled all that. So they go back in time and reverse as everything. Do, yeah. yeah, as yeah. you do. And they just reverse everything and they get their teammates back. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. And I, I, another con- another idea of like a really interesting concept. I mean, they've, yeah. Taking out the three most powerful yeah. members of the Super Friends, how do they how do they figure it out? Oh well, they just found these data tapes for the Legion of Doom. Like, how do they how do they get surprised by anything if they have access to whatever the Legion of Doom is doing? <laughs> yeah. And Legion of Doom is recording all of this. <laughs> 
and then make it accessible to the heroes that are left over. It's like, it's like that, the that's the day the Captain Cold was out. Like, hey, let's record it so he doesn't miss anything. Just make, sure, <laughs> make sure he's aware. Like, we so if there's Captain a vote, Cold, we tape this one. If there's a vote, he knows we're not, we're not surprising him with anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so you got the Ritter literally leaving behind clues, and the computer's recording everything. You know that should cover the indictment the trial and the conviction <laughs> we've got it all covered yeah yeah so, so the writing is just throughout i think that like you said being shackled with the nonviolence thing there's only so many ways you can resolve conflict in a superhero cartoon yeah and, and um, the writing is one thing and i think it just generally i've they may have bit off more than they can chew trying to crank out two of these cartoons for the one hour because right. quality control on this was subpar is the nicest way I can put it. Yeah, um, I wasn't going there. <laughs> it would have been. Woo. So I mean, they yeah. they routinely screw up at least I would say five times per episode. And it's the iconic stuff mm-hmm. too. It's not simple things. Yeah. So repeatedly, Batman's emblem is missing. Either disappears, or if it is, they reverse the colors so it's a white. Uh, I'm sorry, a yellow bat on a black field as, as opposed to the black bat on a yellow field right um the flash his emblem is it's a, a white circle with a yellow lightning bolt they just colored the whole thing the yellow. Whole like, yellow. yeah we've got no time for that yeah the superman's s is constantly changing yeah. sometimes it's reversed sometimes it's just a weird looking s yep they had the worst trouble trying to figure out what color green lantern's gloves are yeah they go from white to green and back and sometimes they're both yeah like one's white one's green yeah <laughs> it's just the inconsistencies are well and actually my favorite is like you'll you'll see Sinestro show up I mean Sinestro's whole gig is he has a yellow ring yeah and he uses it and something green comes out like come on how do you how do you make that mistake oh. or how does that not get picked up in the editing process it's sure. just like we got to crank these things out just whatever just go just get it done just go yeah yeah I was disappointed in that too you know in the Apache Chief and Giganta, who, you know, they were out of scale all the time. And yep. yeah, I was like, I had to rewatch it. I'm like, wait a minute, his emblem is gone. What? Mm-hmm. Is it never there? And then I went back, I'm like, yeah, it's there. Now it's not. And now it's there again. Yeah, and the green thing coming out of the yellow ring, I'm like, oh, come on, yeah. man. Well, I think there's there one point where you, Green Lantern has three arms. Yeah, <laughs> they clearly. Uh, really, I they, didn't they, see they, that. Yeah, they they clearly didn't. They either had two cells overlaying, or they yeah. hadn't swapped it out. But it, yeah, he's got three arms at one point. Once it may have been twice. I don't remember if it was the second time, but at least one time, the Flash they colored him yellow instead of red, which is, as a Flash fan, you know that's a huge deal because the yellow Flash is actually evil version of Flash. Sure, yeah, like his ne- one of his nemeses. Yeah, but yeah, whatever. Whatever. Let's just go. <laughs> he's still flying. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but, yeah, I. Uh... Yeah, actually, actually, that was my ugly for this, was the continuity and animation. Yeah. You know, the continuity from, you know, which which S are you going to put on Superman yeah. today, guys, really? And the backgrounds were really poorly done, yeah. in my opinion. It just, they were just bad. Um, and they weren't consistently bad. Mm, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, if that's your style, yeah. okay. But it wasn't consistent, which made it hard to see. Right. Um. Yeah. Well, do you want to do good, bad, and ugly? Um, or do you well, want to talk about? Yeah, let's do that. But first, I want to talk about the Hall of Doom. 
Yes, we need to thank you for reminding the, me. The timing on that one, and I, I, I never found anything in terms of my research that, that confirmed it, but how that's not inspired by Darth Vader's helmet, yeah. I, I don't know how. No one will convince me it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looks exactly like Darth Vader's helmet. And in fact, it looks like Darth Vader's helmet from the concept art yeah, the from McCoy Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it looks a lot like that. Mm-hmm. And it's this amazing thing because it's subterranean or subaquatic mm-hmm. it lives in the swamp but then it's got rocket boosters it can lift up and they can go wherever they want and it's a time machine and it's uncannily large inside i mean this thing is cavernous yeah inside when they need it to be right um no sleeping quarters from what i could find <laughs> but one big room so they have their meeting one giant room with a meeting table and a and a podium for lex luther yeah. um but it is it is it's iconic. It's very cool looking. Mm-hmm. It just I it mean, looks very evil. Yeah, it, it just adds that kind of overall feel. Like yeah, the Legion of Doom. That the name is great. Mm-hmm. That look. I mean, it sets up so well for yeah. Whoever is in there is evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this, <laughs> and of course, they always have like the the static shot of them. Yeah, when it comes in, like it's the the alligator in the swamp. Yeah. Kind of blinking and opening his mouth, closing it, and then yep. there's a Legion of Doom, and yeah, that's yeah, kind of a scary that place. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's just so cool. Yep. Um, they they definitely got that right. And on the other side of it, the Hall of Justice mm-hmm. is very monumental, mm-hmm. and it's white marble, and it's gleaming, and it's got a fountain in front, and big glass windows. Like mm-hmm. that looks like a good place. Yeah. 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 So no, that was so well done there. Yeah, that was definitely cool. And the other thing that I had a note on that I wanted to mention too is uh, the Apache Chief character mm-hmm. so i had done some research because so his his whole concept of he's a he's a native american man who has the ability to grow inside grow. to 50 feet yeah huge i mean and he's got you know he's native american so clearly he, he can track anything sure but in order to to grow he says inuk chuck so uh, first mm-hmm. thing i looked at like what does that mean what's that translate yeah. to what does that mean and there is no actual translation so Inuk in uh, actually a couple different Native American tribes and actually said it translates to human being. Okay. But Chuck doesn't mean anything that I that I could find. There was really yeah, nothing. Yeah, I wonder if it meant grow or something. Yeah, there was, there was a, or... I kept saying like, oh, it means um, large man or something like that. Like it, mm. as far it, it doesn't as far as I can. Weird. I th- I'm guessing they just kind of like they, so they just came up. With they something. knew one half of it and like they wanted something that sounded cool. It so rhymes. they went with that. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, but I mean, is he, for, for a character created, I thought all three of the characters that created were, were actually well done for, I mean, they're created for that diversity and, and black Vulcan immediately showed up in the comic books. So he was created yeah. in 77. He immediately showed up as black lightning in the comic books, mm-hmm. but, and is still a, a regular, regularly appearing kind I mean, there's a, a TV series on, on uh, the CW now. That's the black lightning series, which live is action, live action yeah, yeah. and really well done. So I mean the the lasting appeal of that that one character alone is sure. definitely definitely speaks volumes to the the creation of it and, and the the thought behind it. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, they developed way beyond what was in this cartoon for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it was definitely they they kind of took the ball and ran with it and, and turned out a really good good character. So yeah. No, I thought it was. I thought the characters were for the writing. <laughs> The characters were good. Yeah. And, um, they and, just kind of... I almost felt like the characters were kind of frustrated yeah. <laughs> that they couldn't do anything else, you know? Like, oh, come on. They got to do... 
They're making me do this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it felt like Samurai didn't really get much to do. I know in in subsequent seasons he actually they they do. Yeah, because in this series he didn't. He doesn't do a whole lot. No, not they, much. They, they gave him more to work with in subsequent seasons, but this one he was just kind of there. Yeah, which is unfortunate. But when you've got eleven superheroes and you've got Superman and Wonder Woman and Batman basically sucking the air out of the room, right? And you I mean, got thirteen villains to yeah. get screen time too. Yeah, it's yeah. it's stretching thin, but yep. But that all that said, what uh, what did you see that was good about this? So good was the classic heroes and classic villains. There wasn't a lot of backstory presented. I guess they assumed that if you're watching the other series. This is a tie on with this. You kind of you don't need it really. But the classic hero versus villain and these iconic characters was cool. Mm-hmm. And when they showed the hall of justice that was that was good you know you could clearly tell these are the good guys and when you saw the um legion of doom these are the bad guys and the bad guys were out to just do whatever it took to take over the world or the universe and the superheroes were like no you can't do that right and that's classic superhero comic stuff um which i thought was was really good Mm -hmm. i thought it was really well done um, no, I, I agree with, completely with yeah. that. That was part of my my good was just seeing all these iconic superheroes and supervillains together on the right. screen, regardless of what they're doing. It was just so cool. And and the the opening the opening credits where it just you see all these villains kind of floating at you know, popping in coming yeah. at like floating through space right at at your screen is like yeah. that's really cool. Uh-huh. And then of course, and they they responded by with all these superheroes showing up. It's, sure. it's such a cool setup, and I mean, it's hard not to get excited about yeah. it. And I mean, well, it's like in our first episode, Laugh Olympics, where they got all these characters together, mm-hmm. and like, how are you going to manage that? And right. they did, right? You know, with few exceptions, all the characters had decent sized roles mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, I thought. I yeah, I'm glad we're on the same page there because I thought that was neat. Yeah, and I think, and I know I've, I've mentioned this before. I think some of the concepts, the ideas for concepts, were really good. They just the execution. I think they they just felt yeah, too the writing suffered and it, and because it didn't of work. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was my bad. Is the writing and the weak plots yeah. and the just the the constraints of you can't make this violent. But some of this with superheroes and villains, there needs to be a level of violence to mm-hmm. to close that storyline yeah. and they just really couldn't so they just ended it poorly <laughs> yeah 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 I, I agree the the character inconsistencies in terms of what their abilities were the look you know the animation the, mm-hmm. the quality control or lack of quality control yeah. it just felt like they're just trying to rush to get these things out because they were under deadline and mm-hmm. they had to get them out and then the struggle with the stories actually being effectively told yeah. within the constraints of the nonviolence. And it was just like, yeah, again, good setups, but the execution was just lacking. Yeah. Yeah. And the ugly for me, I mentioned the continuity mm-hmm. and the animation yeah. just was bad. Yeah. In terms of, I didn't have anything ugly per se in terms of like, you know, especially you're talking about these three characters who are made specifically for diversity. They did. There wasn't anything um, really, Overly, nothing offensive. Nothing offensive or yeah. ugly. And, and, no, I didn't see anything and when, and, cringeworthy. And when the focus is strictly on all these, you know, the, the 11 heroes and 13 villains, there's really, you know, you're not getting into different cultures or anything like mm-hmm. that in terms of where they're going. It's just kind of these general general location stories. And I yeah. mean, they keep mentioning the UN and there's no, it's just, there's really nothing 
I mean, I thought they handled it pretty well, especially given the time. So yeah, 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 I agree. So overall, then, what's your what's your rating? How, how are you how are you putting on this on a scale of uh, zero to ten? <laughs> zero to yeah, because we can use zero. Yeah. <laughs> um, watching these on DVD, I had the thoughts in my head like I liked this when I was a kid. <laughs> I watched this because the stories were so poorly written. I'm like, what was I thinking? You know. And the animation was not good other than the characters. Although all the characters had the same color um, pupils. Their eyes are just mm-hmm. like line drawings on their skin tone, whatever their skin tone was. So I, I had trouble rectifying. I love all these superheroes and these villains, but this story doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So I was at a four, but then I gave it a one point bump because it had Wonder Woman in it. <laughs> so so it's a five nice yeah i just it wasn't awful mm-hmm. you know but could things have been done a lot better yeah did i want more from it yeah mm-hmm. did the animation suck yeah so so that's why i'm like right in the middle you know it's it's it, get, it's getting a five yeah i i was i went back and forth on this one a lot just because that the whole idea of it, I love. I love the superheroes. And I mentioned right up the front. This is the the cartoon I remember. Just I couldn't wait for it to come on. Yeah. Any, any every week, I just wanted to see it. And that, I mean, that was for years. And so there's the the reality of this show really struggling in, in many areas. <laughs> yeah. Versus you know having a slugfest with the nostalgia in me that like I can't say this is a bad cartoon. Mm-hmm. It, it it's a it's as close to a bad cartoon as a decent cartoon could be sure yeah <laughs> underperformer so, so I, I i think um I, I, c-level effort yes mine was a <laughs> mine was a, a 4.5 and, okay and i'm I, I will fully admit that part of that if if, if it's not 0.5 at least one of it one point is probably just my nostalgia yeah and sure. my unwillingness to go lower than that <laughs> so, so bias is coming well, it wasn't through, as but bad you know as hulk hogan's rock and no wrestling. no 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 it Clear. wasn't it was not that, no. that level so uh it's he like said the the bones of of a of some decent storytelling is there. It just yeah for whatever reason just did not execute it. But and that said, uh, and we talked about the quality control too. I I want to circle back really quick. When you watch the first half of that that those those that hour of episodes, yeah. the, the the regular Super Friends with Zan and Jaina, there were no quality control issues. Yeah, it it so was good. Happened? They they were clearly focused on getting you know their attention was right. clearly on that. And this is like hey let's just whatever let's just crank these out add this in yeah. and it, it just and it, it did what it needed to do which was get more eyes and really push the super friends kind of you know higher up in the in the echelon of, of the saturday morning powerhouses that it became yeah but i mean it, it did what it needed to do it just in hindsight when you look back and like yeah this isn't uh and these heroes have been done so much better so many times over since then yeah so yeah so it's forgivable. Yeah. Yeah. We all did dumb things when we were younger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think with the Super Friends, the Challenge of Super Friends in, in, the, in our rearview mirror, we've got to cleanse the palate a little bit, find somewhere else to go. Yeah. Let's, let's pick a different decade, John. Where should yeah, we go? Yeah, so let's, we should go to the 80s. And yes. I think we should go to outer space. Oh, and I, I know exactly where we should go. We should yeah. go into uh, the Star Wars universe and watch droids. Droids, yes. Our favorite droids, C-3PO and R2-D2. Droids from, what, 1985? 1985, yeah. yeah. Right after Return of the Jedi. and Yep. 
Oh, this will be fun. Yeah, it'll be a okay. Good one. Well, I hear mom. I think it's time for us to go outside. So that means cartoon time is over. I'm John. I'm Robert. And this is Toon Talk. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want more Toon Talk, you can find us on Twitter at Toon Talk Guys. Or if you've got questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email us at toontalkguys at gmail.com.